0: Don't you dare call it a comeback, cause your boy BC has been here for years. In this corner with Brian Campbell, the MMA edition returns to your eardrums, ready to inject what the chemists are calling that lethal dose of performance enhancing audio. It's been a few weeks since we've rock and rolled inside the cage with the Brian Campbell and King Mo. Muhammad Wall. Well, hey, we're back, baby. I back.
1: Trust me, I back.
0: We will tag in King Mo momentarily to recap Luke Rockhold's victory at UFC Fight Night in Pittsburgh and address all of the recent fallout from the news cycle, including UFC 215 and Jon Jones getting stripped of his light heavyweight title. We'll also hear King Mo's take on Saturday's boxing super fight between Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin talk about a controversial night at the fights. Or was it? Yes, King Mo will set you straight with his take, keeping it 100 like only Mo Lawal can do. Before we get down to business, let me remind you to send your questions for King Mo at B. Campbell CBS. DM season is open, so slide right in. We want to hear from you and also continue to spread the word for this podcast on social media using that hashtag In This Corner. Take the 60 seconds, too, to head on over to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate, review. It does more good in the long run than you may realize. Check out our other offerings this week from In This Corner, including the boxing show as Rafe Bartholomew and I break down all things Canelo Triple. G and chat with former Fighter of the Year Nonito Donaire, along with Ringstar Sports promoter Richard Schaefer, and on the Pro Wrestling Edition, a special chat with the Big Dog himself, Roman Reigns, that you won't want to miss. Also, a little bit of a rumor out there. A bonus pod could be coming your way with AJ Styles, a conversation with the face that runs the place. You're not going to want to miss that one. But with all of the business out of the way, let's get down to the talking. It's time. BC, King Mo, let's do it. Enjoy. After a week off, the In This Corner MMA podcast is back. It's, It's that tag team you know and love, TBC and King Mo. Muhammad Lawal, King Mo. We took last week off. Some logistical issues in the aftermath of Hurricane Irma. You waited out the storm. You stood tall in South Florida. Can you update the listeners on your
1: personal situation? All good on your your neck of the woods? I stood strong like Andre the giant. Um, in the in the battle royal for um, WrestleMania actually, two, right? WrestleMania two. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, like I, I came out unscathed. Um, just some trees got uprooted and uh, a little strong wind. No flooding. Everything was good with on my side. All right.
0: It's like your strong takedown defense really helped you here in, in the face of Irma.
1: sprawling brawl and brawl.
0: Absolutely. King Bo, we got so much to talk to from the world of MMA, from pro boxing. I mean, Canelo Triple G was all over everyone's timeline this weekend, some pro wrestling stuff. But let's get in right off the top with the MMA news of the moment Competing somewhat against this Triple G Canelo boxing card on Saturday night was a was a pretty decent UFC fight night card in Pittsburgh. I was able to catch up on it. The main event: former middleweight champion Luke Rockhold defeating David Branch, second round submission. It was a submission on strikes, though a tap out on strikes. King Mo, you don't see this too often, right?
1: Well, I don't know. I didn't see him tap though. I felt I felt like Big John just stepped in, or maybe it was a verbal tap. I don't know, but. I really couldn't see the tap because I was busy watching Luke do work, you know, but, uh, it was a great performance by Luke in the second, in the second round. The first round's kind of rocky, but. Well, you Branch know,
0: put hit... him on the, on the ropes early, meaning he came out throwing bombs. You know, Branch, the former two division titleist from World Series of Fighting, talked a big game coming into this one. He caught Luke with basically like a four punch combo against the cage. You credit Rockhold for steadying himself, working it into the clinch, and then eventually taking him down.
1: Uh, well, one thing about, um, Branch, people don't realize this. His brother is Sekou Pal, the Iron Horse. He's a boxer. Did not yes. know that. Yes, his brother. Yes, Sekou. Me and Sekou, real cool. Great great fighter. He's making a comeback at, at welterweight. Now, when Luke was on the cage, he was getting hit. If you look close, he was rolling with the shots, kind of like Canelo did with Triple G. He wasn't getting hit too clean. They were, they were landing, but they were glancing. They weren't they weren't doing much damage into two. Um, Branch smothered himself because Branch has a longer reach. If he would have took a half step back, he would have been more effective with the striking, but he was excited, you know, and I think he was trying to get to the takedown. That's why he was throwing the punches and he was trying to flurry and get to the takedown.
0: Well, Branch had won his UFC debut by split decision over Christoph Juko, if that's, if that's a pronounced, good pronunciation. Looked good in that. You know, was the underdog on paper coming in? What, what it came down to, we wanted to find out, is Rockhold still the same guy, the same pound for pound elite? I don't know if this was, you know, prime Rockhold. This wasn't a, a, you know, top shelf highlight reel performance that you'll see in the future, but he did, you know, field an aggressive, uh, opponent well, really dominated the clinch in that second round to get Branch to the canvas and then really, you know, sitting on his back, sitting on his, on his chest was able to put him away. But, you know, this was a 15 month layoff for Luke Rockhold since that knockout to Michael Bisping where he lost the title at UFC 199 and King Mo, in some sense, I blame Luke Rockhold for the craziness in the UFC's middleweight division over the past year. Right, with Bisping owning the title, not facing the top guys in order. With now we've got um, Robert Whitaker with an interim belt. We've got craziness, and this never would have happened if maybe Rockhold took Bisping a little bit more serious at 199, like he should have been. I mean, no one thought Bisping was going to come in there and knock him out in the first round.
1: Hey, it's part of it's part of you know competition, combat sports. Nothing is no win is guaranteed. All it takes is a knee. A kick, a punch, a submission, nothing is guaranteed. Um, Luke didn't respect him, but at the same time, you know, the game plan. You might not respect somebody but you have to have the game plan to follow and I felt like Bisping had a better game plan. Now for this fight, you said Luke didn't look um he didn't look in prime form. Well, you can't forget Luke did most of his camp actually all of his camp here in South Florida. So it's a different environment. He didn't have the same training partners, he didn't have you know, I'm um, Daniel Cormier or I'm um, Buller or other guys to train with. He had to work with different guys and get used to a different system. And um, a lot of times, when you see guys go to different camps, it's, it's a temporary thing. When you see guys go to a different camp, it takes them like three three camps to get used to their system Good to point. blend in and acclimate.
0: Uh, he does sort of, he's sort of the wild card of the top 10 pound for pound in my eyes, meaning Rockhold's shown us that he's ready, he's elite, he's in that mix. He just needs to get back the rebound from that biz ping locks. He seems like he's going in the right direction. Now, after putting away and he cut a WWE-like promo on GSP after the bout. Let's listen to that now. GSP, I don't know what I need to do. You want me to beat some sense into you? You don't belong here. You're going to get crushed. Better
1: back out. Get out of this thing while you still can. This is my fight. This is my fight. And I'll be there
0: soon as soon sooner than you, mother******. Let's go. This guy Rockhold King Mo. You, you like the passion there, but I don't think it's going to do anything for him. Just he's not pulling out of this piss pink fight at 217.
1: Well, you know, um, Luke is fired up. Luke's always been fired up. He won't know that. Luke's a, Luke's a character. But his promo was on point. But here's the issue after this fight, I believe Bisping's going to win. I think he's going to win big because, you know, GSP, you can't be out for four or five years and come back and expect to fight someone in the bigger weight class. that has been on fire and is a different fighter than when you left is also confident riding a big wave of confidence. Um, I think once Bisping beats GSP, um, I think he's going to retire now. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, because he's on, t- on top is a big win against a legend. Um, can retire. You That'd know, you be a good time to do it. And and I I I want JP to do good, but I just feel like the layoff. I I would mind. I would. I wish he had a chance to fight a tune up fight at 185 to get to get adjusted to be back in the cage and and be adjusted to a new weight class, and then from there go fight Bisping. But you know nothing's guaranteed in the game. He could have took the 185 pound tune up and got hurt. So. You know, I just don't it. get I mean, like
0: the UFC worked themselves into an out here. They they originally right scheduled Bisping GSP, then it sort of fell apart and it looked like they're going in the direction of GSP Woodley. I don't get them going back to this matchup outside of just panicking, needing a big time main event for 217 because it just doesn't make sense to see GSP at middleweight right now. I mean, him against Woodley would be the perfect storyline fight. The former champion coming back to try to regain his belt. You know they want to make Connor GSP eventually because they're going to need some pay per view buys to make up for. A rough year. I just don't get why they're going back to the well with this, but you know we'll see what happens. We want to know what do you think is next for Rockhold. Do you think he sits around and waits to try to get you know Whitaker or try to get back into this title picture, or maybe takes a fight against a, another top contender? Whether it's Romero, whether it's a rematch with Weidman, what do you think is the best move for him?
1: Romero, Weidman, Jacare, win him three. You know who knows? Maybe even Derek Bronson. You know just just stay busy because it's not about always fighting. The top, the top guys are available. It's about staying busy because if you stay busy, you're gonna get stay busy, and you stay winning. You will get when the top guys, you beat them, you'll get a title shot. Now, the reason why the UFC is making Bisping versus GSP is his money.
0: Yeah, I mean that's um, that, that's really the bottom line. And I think Rockhold that, learned a hard lesson. He tried in the past year. He had a, he had a knee injury, of course, he came back from that. But I think he tried in the past year to kind of play his own hand, sit back. He tried to get Anderson Silva. Silva didn't want anything of it. He tried to basically play hardball with the UFC in hopes of getting the fight he wants. And I think eventually he ran out of gas in that and just took the branch fight just to get back in there. So, you know, there's you, you got to wait your turn at times and make your power move. It's worked for some guys. It doesn't work for everybody.
1: Yeah. Well, it, depend, it depends, on, it depends on, on on your worth to them. It depends on um, with how the fans react to you because, you know, if it was Conor, 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 could, Conor could be like, I want a 185 to pound title shot. They'd be like, you know what? That sounds good. GSP big draw. It depends on how big of a draw you are. I feel like Luke is a big draw, but I feel like the UFC dropped the ball in marketing this guy because Luke, you know, he's my boy, you know what I'm saying, but let's be real, the ladies love Luke. You, yeah. know, what he could, like, you know what I'm saying, ladies love Luke. They could <laughs> do something like that, had him had him like do some modeling stuff, you know what I'm saying, Like whatever, be like, he's a playboy, pretty boy, but he's also a killer in the cage. But they didn't do that. They just didn't care to do it and Luke is one hell of an athlete, very athletic, a killer, you know what i 'm saying, very competitive, and I, I, I think he 'll get the belt back um, you know, pretty soon.
0: you make a good point on his marketing potential. I wonder if that you know was the direction they had hoped to go i 'm sure they hoped he was going to be Bisping and suddenly he would have been you know maybe top three pounds for pound at that moment in a position to market him and in, back into some big matchups, rematch with Weidman, whatever. Comes up empty. I mean, you're right. This guy, the ladies love him. He's cocky. He models. He was on the Millionaire Matchmaker show at one point, trying to pick up chicks. I mean, you know, the guy's got some swagger there. But we'll see what they can do with it.
1: Think about this, right? He had a big win. He had a bunch of big wins. His chain of big wins. He beat the beat the champ, Stopped him. Once you see a guy stop the champion, that's when you market him. Yeah. After he yeah. stopped the champion, guess what? Crickets. Nothing. Luke. 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 Nothing. Where the commercials at?
0: I think he well, took Weidman's soul in that fight, too. His fighting soul, his, his his prime moment. I think he took it from him.
1: Well, I, I think he took it from him because um, it was a back-and-forth battle, but, you know, you can see Weidman's gas tank dropping. You can see Luke's confidence rising, and Luke was like, all right, it's like Shang Tsung. Remember Shang Tsung from Mortal Kombat? Oh, yeah. Fatality, he hit him with that fatality, took his soul, and...
0: Who's got better references than King Mo? I love this. Uh, King Mo. <laughs> big news in the past week is the UFC and USADA finally taking step forward and sorting out the John Jones failed drug test mess from UFC 214. California State Athletic Commission rules it now a no contest. That second third round TKO by Jones. Then UFC strips John Jones of the title for the third time, putting the belt back in the hands of Daniel Cormier. Cormier, for his credit, you know. He was like, I don't, at first he said, I don't want the spell. I didn't earn it, you know, in that sense. I I lost that fight regardless of the drug test. He then said, look, because of financials, it makes sense for me to take it back. I'm going to make more money as the champion. But I loved Cormier's reaction since all this happened. On Friday, he, he went out on social media and basically said, hey, everybody, lay off John Jones. Let's show some grace here. Give him a chance to figure out what's going on. We still don't know. Jones's future, whether it'll be a two month or four, two year or four year suspension, USADA has not, you know, laid the verdict down on that. But in terms of these developments, right move in your eyes for UFC? Take the belt away, put it back on Cormier?
1: That's the right move. You know, um, they had two choices: um, strip the belt and have Daniel fight for it again, which to me would be weird, or give the belt give the belt back to Daniel. And I think they did the right thing, give the belt back to Daniel. Um, Daniel did the right thing by saying, "Hey, lay off him," because right now. You know it's a tough time for John. Um, he used to figure things out. He has been, him his management got to go back to the drawing board. He's talked to his lawyers and figure out what's what's the next move. But um, Daniel made the right move. Daniel's a class of that guy. He's been a, I've known Daniel for forever. He was my first wrestling match in college. <laughs> How'd that go? A, Give just, us the you know, breakdown. He, yeah, well, I, well I, I you know one of my teammates was a big Daniel Cormier fan. He was, He was from Louisiana. And he's talking, all he do is talk about Daniel Cormier, Daniel Cormier. So I'm like, <laughs> man, I was like, F Daniel. I was like, when I see him, I'm going to smash him. Well, guess what? We go to the tournament. First, I'll go to, I'll go look at the brackets. Daniel Cormier versus Molo Wall. Yes. And, I'm like, and so I get my boy, his boy, I get my boy Dennis. I'm like, Dennis, I'm going to beat your boy. Come watch this. Come by the ring. Come by the, not the ring. Come by the mat. So where we, where we shake hands, I do my jump. And then Daniel looks at me, I take him down. Boom, push him out of bounds. So I'm up 2-1. We go back to center. I take him back down again. Push my bounds. I'm up like four-two in the first 30 seconds. All of a sudden, the onslaught comes. Oh no! <laughs> Daniel starts banging me because I'm I'm not that big of the weight class. But he starts banging me. He takes me down and he just he pretty much ragdolled me. Uh, he beat me. I think he beat me by like about eight or nine points. You know what I'm saying? I was a, I was a true freshman. He was a um a junior. But he was one of the top wrestlers in the nation at the time. I, I I had no idea who he was because. That's my my third year of wrestling ever, so I didn't really keep up with wrestling, but that was a great experience and after that, um years later, I transferred to Oklahoma State, we were training partners and he's one of my coaches and uh you know good friends you know great friends probably one of my probably my best friend, you know what I'm saying so nice you know.
0: who were you wrestling with as a freshman when you did face him
1: uh I was wrestling at Central Oklahoma, um a d two school, so nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Well, Cormier
0: did give an interview to ESPN's Brett Okamoto over the weekend. He did say this. The hardest part is, why hasn't this happened to me, meaning the pop drug test? If all these supplements are so easily messed with, why haven't I tested positive in 12 years? Why haven't my supplements been tainted? So he did sort of come back with one final jab at John to just sort of say, look – Three times you were supposed to fight me, and three times there was some sort of failed drug test. I think it's you know Cormier's way of saying we got a problem here, right? Like like like, like, like let's not glaze over it. There may be excuses, but overall there's a problem here, John Jones. And look, it's going to affect Jones's legacy. But like we talked about when this first came down, it really affects Cormier's legacy because I don't know what to do with him. He's got these two you know definitive losses, but do you take those away when when you're ranking him historically?
1: Well, the thing is, like, I wouldn't even think about it historically if I were Daniel or anybody because it just happened a month or two ago. People, here's the thing: people look at history like people need to let things like, like, marinate. Because if you th- if you think back at this, right? If I were to, if I were to say the the greatest fight I've ever seen in the history of boxing happened this past weekend, people are like you're crazy because these fights happen like like for instance. Caveman Lee John Los Cicero. Yes, you sent me that. You texted me that. Now, that was a great fight, a great underrated fight, but it got no burn. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's a gem. Sometimes people in MMA are looking for now, now, now. Well, let things happen. Let it marinate and then go back and revisit it. You know, in my opinion, Daniel's the top, one of the top fighters in, of all time, but – who knows what's gonna happen in the next five or ten years? Who knows who's gonna pop up? Because think about this: if it was eight years ago or ten years ago, and I was like, "Hey, there's gonna be guys going to come in, and he's gonna, he's gonna be short. You know, he's, he's gonna be a heavyweight, and to come down and push John Jones to max, people would be like, no, no, that never happened' because John Jones is untouchable. You know, you know how it is. Like people don't. People are worried. They think about. They they want they want the reaction right now. They don't wait to let things marinate and wait to, to let things develop, let things develop. because Daniel still, Daniel still has a few years left. You know what I'm saying? No, no, no one knows what's going to happen with them. I think it's the next few years. We can see him fight in Ghana. We can see him fight Stipe Majocic. We can see him do a bunch of super fights. Who knows?
0: Well, he's 38 and we know that heavyweights age later. I mean, you look at the UFC's top 10 at heavyweight. I mean, especially a year ago at this time, everybody's plus 35 at that point. There's reason to believe Cormier could go on a decent run here at heavyweight and a Cormier-Stipe Majocic matchup down the road for the title. That's, that's marketable. That's a, that's a very, very interesting fight.
1: Very interesting. I think it's a winnable fight for Daniel. You know, um, uh, I think Daniel. I think Daniel could win the belt at, at heavyweight because I think stylistically he matches up. Like John Jones stylistically matches up good, but the problem with John Jones is he had nothing to keep you off of him. He couldn't really hurt you with the one one punch. Daniel has shown one punch knockout power, and he's shown throws. He just explosiveness. I think he's more explosive than John Jones. He's pretty damn athletic. So I think that you know sometimes with the heavyweights they they're not as accurate. And it's not his coordinated. So you have Daniel, who's a smaller target, very quick on his feet, light in his feet, and strong. So he's gonna be a pose a problem, and he's a great gas tank. He's a pose a pose, he's a pose a big problem to these heavyweights.
0: Without that weight cut, it'll be interesting to see if we see a little bit of a resurgence. If we see more energy in there for him, we see you know him throwing throwing guys, big guys around. I mean, you just go back and look at what he did to like Frank Mir, like how he just absolutely dominated these guys in the clinch and just and just you know lit them up with punches and threw them around. It'll be very interesting to see Cormier if he does make that decision to move up and make a run there. Kingmo, we need we need your thoughts on this podcast, an MMA podcast, but we need your boxing thoughts on the boxing super fight, the middleweight championship of the world from Las Vegas. Canelo Alvarez, Gennady Golovkin, plenty of controversy. They fought to a split draw. Now, the controversy was that 118-110 outlier scorecard from Judge Adelaide Bird. She's
1: getting lit up all over the globe right now. How did you score this fight? Well, I scored it... I, I had few scores. 116-113. Canelo. Canelo because there are a few. Canelo. Tension. Yeah. I had it. One fifteen. One thirteen. Canelo. Now I would I wouldn't I wouldn't trip if people had it the other way for for um, Triple G. It's just that I watched the fight in Canada because I was there for I was in Canada for a tattoo convention. You know, major. tattoo convention. This guy's all over the all over the globe here. What, why is King Mo at a tattoo convention? I don't know why they asked me to come, but they asked me to come. It's pretty cool, you know. I'm not, you know, I have tattoos, but they're too painful. But I watched in Canada, and I know in America when you watch pay per views and you watch anything in America that's combat sports orientated, it's like a cheerleader, like you know they have. this very biased. So look at look at you could look at MMA, it's very biased. Look at boxing. HBO, especially HBO. If you look at the history of HBO, they've always liked the aggressive fighter, the pressure fighter, the puncher, and I, I went to – when the fight was going on, the first four rounds I was watching it, I went to Twitter and I see people saying, man, easy fight for Triple G's walking through Canelo's no punches. No chance. Canelo's best work was the first two to three rounds, right? I had him to win the first four rounds. But the thing is that people are listening to what HBO saying. Oh,
0: HBO favors the A-side fighter, and it's more of a business thing. They typically always favor the A-side fighter. Ward versus Kovalev, one and two, all they're doing in the broadcast is telling you what Kovalev's doing. You know, it's like Roy Jones is always the voice of reason coming in and going, no, Kovalev's fading. I think Ward's going to knock him out. And I'm like, no, he's not. Guess what happens? Ward stops him to the body. So sometimes there's a groupthink mentality that HBO does create. I agree with that.
1: But here's the thing. like The A-side fighter for this fight was Canelo. That's the A-side. And the thing is like... If you look if you look at the top five fighters HBO's had Roman Gonzalez seeking destroy fighter, Kovlev seeking destroy fighter, um Lomachenko can can do it all, cat and mouse, seeking destroy, make you miss, make you pay. Triple G. And then Terrence Crawford, they're all like Pacquiao, Pacquiao in his prime, Pac- of course. Yep. Oh, they love Pacquiao. Right, Kelly Pavlik. Let's not forget him. Jermaine Taylor. They hated B Hop. They hated um they hated um they didn't like Polly Malignaggi too much. They couldn't stand Floyd because oh, those yeah. guys are boxers. But they like guys that come out there. It's, that's why Larry Merchant, Harold Letterman, Jim Lampley, they they're the they're all all the same in a the sense. They like the aggressive puncher. That's it. And I saw Canelo come. I saw Canelo set traps. I saw Canelo slip and rip. I saw Canelo throw the better, significant strikes. I now, find
0: that interesting that you scored it for him because look I had it 117-111 for Golovkin I had it 9 to 3 I really banked on the pressure he put on how he uh, how he constantly was backing Canelo up how he seemed to outwork him w- what did you see from Canelo that 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 gave you the confidence in giving him a lot more of those rounds it gave him essentially 7 rounds
1: because here's the thing right you're an MMA fan right yeah. most MMA fans like if you, if you look at the thing about this right in MMA Everyone talks about, oh, he won. He came forward. He's the aggressor. He threw more punches. You know, in MMA they look, they like aggression. It doesn't matter if the punches land. It's like aggression. Same thing with HBO. Now, can, now Triple G was aggressive. He was aggressive. He threw some punches, but what, 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 what would you prefer? Do you prefer ten jabs or fifteen jabs? Do you prefer common, cleaner combinations and, and you know, and a variety of punches that were clean? It wasn't like, it wasn't like you know. They weren't landing, they were clean. Now if you look at Canelo, if you look at Triple G shots, Triple G would land a punch and Canelo would roll with it. Canelo's
0: got to get credit for his defense. And it's not, I didn't even pick up the full subtleties in person on the floor there in Las Vegas. Going back and seeing the clips, man, did he have a defensive game plan to be able to slip most of those heavy shots. Triple G's jab on point Saturday night. Triple G's overhand right didn't hit the target a lot. So if you are going to build that case like you're saying – That a draw was a perfectly fine scorecard. That maybe even Canelo 7 5 was a perfectly fine scorecard. You do have to give him that credit for being able to slip punches and land counters.
1: And the thing is, the thing is, I remember I was, I saw Ariel Holani say LA Bird gave, um, Canelo round seven. That was Triple G's best round. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I don't remember that because I remember putting a star by that because I was like, that was even, but I leaned to Canelo. Now, remember this morning, I sent you, that round. That was a close round. So that's the turning point round on everyone's scorecards. Adelaide Bird gave that to
0: Golovkin. It was only one of the two rounds she did, but Don Trella, who scored it at 114-114, he gave that round to Canelo. Uh, Dave Moretti, who had it 115-113 for Golovkin, he gave that round to Golovkin. Had Don Trella given that round to Golovkin to match the other two judges, you would have saw a split decision victory for Golovkin.
1: Now, round seven was close, but It depends what you like because you can't tell me you can't name me one significant punch Triple G landed besides jabs. He missed everything else he threw. Now Canelo, on the other hand, started off with a few jabs, threw a good body shot, threw a few combos, made a miss, made a miss, countered, and then I remember that the one shot I remember is when he when he he slipped the jab or the right hand and ripped the body shot. And I saw Triple G kind of just freeze a little bit because those body shots people don't notice that because I love body work. Those body shots were doing work, and that's why if you see the 11th and 12th round, Canelo had enough energy, and Triple G took enough body shots to, to be slowed down. Canelo could, went on to win those two rounds because the body work in the fight in earlier the earlier rounds and in, in the mid-rounds when he could land those shots – started paying paying dividends.
0: Well, Canelo certainly won the last round. On two of the three scorecards, they gave him the last three rounds. I thought that was a little too generous. I think you have to say Canelo did gas in the middle. Triple G's pressure was really on point. I think that round seven was maybe a microcosm of the debate that you're spelling out, where in the end, do you prefer Golovkin owning two of the three minutes, backing up Canelo constantly, landing flush jabs, not landing power shots, or do you give... Canelo the credit for slipping the punches, working in some cleaner counter shots. If that's eventually the, deb- essentially the debate, then I, I can't wait to rewatch the whole fight and re-score it. I'm probably, it's probably not gonna be as wide as I originally had it. But, I just hard for me to give, now obviously I, I scored it round by round. I didn't watch the fight and then give a score, right? You score it round by round. But it's hard for me, looking at it as a whole, to give Canelo the, a draw or a victory when he spent so much of the time backpedaling and he was only seemingly flurrying for thirty second bursts at at a time and wasn't throwing the rest of the time. So are you are you giving his defense more credit than than it deserves? That's that's what's what,
1: what the debate comes down to. Not just that, but effective punches. Like what punch? Like what punches? Like not all punches are made equal. True. He, he came forward through a lot of punches, but what you know he got. You know, Canelo got tired from moving, and the pressure got to him. But what damage did you really see Triple G really do?
0: You're right, because when they show the highlights from the fight, Canelo's counters. Canelo had an overhand right counter. It was the same punch that that, that basically killed Amir Khan. And Triple G, I don't know what this guy's made of, his head snapped back, chin to the right side, and then bounced right back into place. And then he just took one second to kind of shake his head, and he was right back at it. How does he not go down for that? I mean, Canelo, you have to say yes, he landed the bigger shots. I just don't think he landed enough of them.
1: But was, the thing is, like, the thing is, like, how do you go, not go down from that? Don't forget, Canelo's still coming up from a weight class. True. And the, the thing that's funny to me is that you know, Triple G, people, it's, it's like it's like this, right? Triple G was like, I want to, I want to stand in front of me and you know, don't run. Well, Triple G, don't run. Why don't you go up and fight Andre Ward? Why don't you fight Carl Frotch? One, you know, you don't pick up, on, don't pick on smaller men. You know, everyone. I remember it's the funny thing. Everybody was like, "Well, Triple G can beat anybody from 160, to 175." Then he fights Danny Jacobs, and Danny Jacobs didn't do the second day IBF weigh-in. Everybody's like, "Oh, well, Danny Jacobs won because he was 195." Mm-hmm. No, Grant, no, he, he wasn't 195. But what happened to Triple G's power all of a sudden? Everyone, people are like, you know, people. Are, you know, are kind of mad, or, or and giving Triple G credit, you know, what I'm saying for his power, and they expected Canelo to go out there and get stopped, just like Danny Jacobs. And the thing is, there are no monsters in combat sports. The only monsters are the ones that you don't know, the ones that you don't expect to come. Like there's gonna be somebody out there that's gonna come up, that's gonna come out there, it's brand new, that no one, no one's really paid much attention to, it's to gonna come and destroy some of these guys. Like
0: well, it's like I see a lot of pro fighters on Twitter saying this proves that Triple G was a myth. I think I'll say this. He blew away the B, B-minus, C-plus opponents with his power. I don't think his power was not real in those fights. I thought it was very real. Yes, maybe there was some intimidation involved like like Prime Tyson. But look, Danny Jacobs – kinda of proved himself to be an A minus fighter in that fight. Canelo proved himself certainly to be an A fighter. These A fighters aren't gonna go down on these shots. So I don't think it it disproves the myth of Triple G. I think he's thirty-five. I think he's showing you he doesn't have a plan B in fights. His plan is to walk you down with the jab, and that's his only plan. He does show really good defense. He does show a really good cardio. Maybe he's not the superhero we wanted him to be, but I don't
1: think that this is a completely blows away the myth of him. Well, here's the thing. I think he has more dimensions than he shows because he had vast amateur background. But I feel like maybe he was a little nervous, or maybe something, you know, because his wife was pregnant. True. You know, and he had the baby. She had the baby like or, or before the fight, supposedly. I, I'm not sure. So i four thinking. days
0: before. I think it was uh, six days before the fight. His his wife gave birth to their second child. So, yes.
1: You know, I, I think maybe he had things going on his mind, some stuff in his mind, and uh, you know, he could, he's he's a better fighter than he shows. It's just that. Who knows? Maybe some stress got to him because I know I know he has more dimensions like that. There's a guy named Darnell Boone. Darnell Boone's a great fighter. He fought. Um,
0: he gave the, everybody trouble. Darnell Boone. Yeah, dar, yeah, Darnell Boone. One, he had I a call. split decision with Kovalev. He knocked out Adonis Stevenson. He's the only guy to knock down Andre Ward. He beat oh. Willie Monroe Jr. I mean, he's put a lot of things on people.
1: And I call him one punch man because that one punch, if he lands that overhand right, it's night night. And
0: his and his record c- career is something like 22 and 22. But he's like a spoiler. He's always going to give you
1: a problem. He'll smash you. like, And i talked to him all the time. And he was like, Mo, Triple G, he can punch. He can make you miss. He can counter. He goes to the body. He can do this. He can do a lot. He just ain't shown it yet. Sometimes, like, it's going to take somebody. And Canelo, and Canelo wasn't that one guy yet. But in the rematch, we're going to see different dimensions from both fighters. I'm hoping the rematch happens in May. I hope so.
0: My- can- Canelo was kind of slow. He was like, you know, I'm not coming back until till, until May. I don't know if it will be Golovkin. I mean, Canelo's the A-side. He's going to do what he wants. I just wonder. Golden Boy Promotion signed Miguel Cotto, right? They signed him for a reason. Cotto was there. They, they propped him up in the third row. If you're a Golden Boy in Oscar, don't you go, Hey, we can do that Golovkin rematch whenever we want. Let's do Cotto Canelo too. So we get all the money. I mean, this is boxing. It is a, a, you know, a, a gritty, gutty, uh, greedy.
1: Sorry. Greedy was the word I meant. A very greedy sport for promoters. Well, I heard that from what I here Cause, you know, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the streets. You're, you're plugged in. You're, you're connected. The ears to the ground. I'm hearing it's to be Mikey Garcia versus Miguel Cotto. That would be
0: one heck of a fight. And you gotta love, I saw Garcia tweeted something up to tease that a few weeks ago. That's a dare to be great scenario right there.
1: And Mikey Garcia is, that was something serious. Like, the way, look, I'm, I'm gonna be real with you right now. Like, if I were to rank pro wrestling, boxing, MMA, right now pro wrestling's in the game, boxing's closely behind. MMA slacking. We got an MMA world, gotta, for MMA. Boxing on fire. Yeah, we we gotta step our game up in MMA. You know, so we gotta we gotta step our game up. UFC, World uh, Professional Fight League, Bellator, WinFC, Risen, Titan. We all gotta step our game up because we gotta be number one.
0: It's just tough because to beat us. had Adelaide Bird scored this fight one fifteen one thirteen, had 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 she modeled your score for Canelo, and you know that would have you still would have had a split draw. But people would have been going, man, that was a great fight. Maybe uh, Canelo did better than we thought. Let's see it again. Now instead we're going Triple G got robbed. And by the way, it's rightful to say that. How the heck are you going to score 10 rounds for Canelo in this fight? I don't think it's, it's plausible. And, and it stinks that boxing has this giant moment where they did something right. And 10 seconds later, you're back to, oh, crap, that's just boxing.
1: No, but the thing is, here's the thing. Like, Rob, Rob, 115, 113, 114, 114. One off score, one score. Now, Rob is Lara versus Paul Williams. Yes. Rob is Ike versus four, um versus um, um, versus Vernon Forrest. Yes. Rob is when Paulie Malignaggi got robbed by um, in Houston. I forgot. Juan Diaz. Juan Diaz. That's robbed. You know what I'm saying? Like this, right? Like look, one one eighteen, one ten. Okay, I it, it was off. But at the same time, there are a lot of rounds in that fight. If you go back and watch the fight, there are a lot of rounds in that fight that you're like, okay, I could score at ten ten or. What do I prefer? But it's that, that's not just – that's not benefit of the doubt.
0: 7-5 Canelo or 8-4, that's benefit of the doubt. Ten two is like I filled the
1: scorecard out on Thursday and handed well, it in early. It depends on what you like because I'm going to lie. To me, 10-2 was kind of drastic. But at the same time, if you watch the fight closely, all the rounds honestly were pretty damn close. And it depends what you prefer because the seventh round. I heard people, go, oh, the seventh round was Triple G's best round. And I went back and watched that round, and I was like, if that's his best round, then he definitely lost his fight because that fight was because that, that that was that not round, his
0: best round. You're right. People got that wrong on Twitter. That that, was not- that
1: round is subjective. It's subjective. All, like the whole like scoring is subjective. It depends on what you like. Adelaide Bird. If you look at her history on Boxrec, you know the Boxrec and pull. I went on Boxrec Sunday and looked at her. looked at looked at looked at the her her um scoring for the the biggest fights from 2012 up until now and i can only tell you i disagree with one card and that was when she had the fight for um jerry washington over amir mansoor and i think that fight was called a draw but i had amir mansoor winning by one or two rounds you know but other than that she she's been on point for the most part you know but she favors the boxer
0: it's tough. It's tough, man. In the end, you know, there's a lot of celebrities at this fight. A lot gave their analysis afterwards. In the end, I just kind of agreed with what Jamie Fox had to say. You know, I thought Triple G was getting in that
1: ass. I mean, come <laughs> on, come on, kickball, right? Got to give Jamie Fox credit for breaking it down like that. But the thing is, you no, know, he's probably he's probably there drinking and probably just there because the thing is, if you watch the fight close and you you've seen it getting in, like what was he landing? Like it wasn't like it wasn't like it was Triple G. Like if Triple G was Martin Murray, he was landing shots. Triple G with Prosper, who's landing shots. Triple G versus Canelo. He wasn't really landing the shots like 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 we're used to. Especially, he quit going the body because of the counter punches.
0: That's a good point. though. But the lack of body punching is a good point. We'll have, obviously, a lot more of this on our boxing podcast this week on In This Corner. But, King Mo, you're giving me something to think about. I'm looking forward to seeing the full replay. Not just, you know, snap snapshots of it. Because, look, I watched it from the arena. I scored it. But sometimes sitting that close to the ring is a... Is a positive. Sometimes you pick up the power of punches that you don't pick up on TV. Sometimes it's a detriment. Sometimes you don't see the angles when a fighter has his back to you. You're not seeing all the time what's landing. When people are standing up in front of you, or you're tweeting, or you're doing whatever, you do sometimes miss a few things. So we'll agree on that.
1: And what that can say is, they use that whole ring. They use that whole ring. So the judges aren't going to see everything because they use that whole ring. It wouldn't like they stay in the center and just banged it out. Canelo was on his bike, setting traps all around that ring, moving left and right. And for some of the judges, they had good they had a good view some parts, and then they had a, a terrible view some parts. So it just comes down to um, you know, what they saw. Absolutely. We uh, want to get uh, some reaction here from the last big
0: UFC card that we missed. It was UFC 215 from Edmonton just two weeks ago. The main event, of course, Demetrius Johnson, Ray Borg, with Mighty Moss going for that UFC record of title defenses, was pulled because Borg got sick. They're rescheduling that for UFC 216. We'll see what happens with that, but the new main event ended up being the rematch. I thought that, on paper, one of the best sneaky fights of 2017, considering how close they were matched. In the end, Amanda Nunez defends her UFC women's bantamweight title by split decision over five rounds against Valentina Shevchenko. Mo, close fight. You definitely could have scored it either way. I had a little bit of an issue with it, though, because I thought Shevchenko got a little bit of a raw deal. We're, 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 we're picking nits here, but... In that fifth round, which was, in the end, the swing round, Nunes gets the takedown in the final 30 seconds, but it was Shevchenko on her back who was landing clean punches. Nunez didn't really do much with that takedown. It was almost like that sequence decided the fight for a lot of people. What was your take on this fight?
1: Well, it depends on what you like. I'm a wrestler, so I prefer the person on top. You can be on your back and land strikes, but what damage are you really doing? You know, um, it's... I don't, I don't know, man. It just depends on what you like. That's the, that's the thing. Everyone's like, oh, the judges got it wrong. The judges got it wrong. But I'm like, it depends. It's Combat sports, the judging is subjective. It all comes down to what you like. There's a criteria. Of course there's a criteria, but at the same time, it comes down to what you prefer. But I like what Max Kellerman says. Who would you rather be? Yeah, that's a good point. Who would you rather be? Would you rather be? I'd rather be the person on top. Not the person on bottom. Now, if, unless I'm Ray, Damian Maya, Luke Rockhart, someone that has some slick jujitsu, jitsu Marcel Garcia, Hamo Barral, or, you know, my boy, Fabricio Verdum, if I'm on my back and I'm them, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? But Valentina's not them. And she had the girl that executed the offensive technique to get on top. So you have to give her credit for that.
0: Couple of things I learned from this fight. One, what we already knew. So evenly matched. I can watch these two do five rounds again tomorrow. It was, it was like chess in there. It was very tactical back and forth. Two, Shevchenko, such a great counter striker, but at times is her own worst enemy because she does not take the lead and it leads in the end to rounds where the aggressor is going to get more attention, in this case, Nunez. And three, Amanda, you give her credit. Cardio had been her issue. She showed you five hard rounds here, and she stepped up her pace in some of those middle rounds to leave no doubt. This was a convincing performance. Even though I liked Shevchenko to edge her, overall this was a convincing performance that Nunez closing up all the holes that we thought she might have had in her game.
1: Yeah, you know – um, the evilly match fight, I'm hoping you know they, a re- they, they they run it back again, but I don't know if they will because right now, um, you know, uh, a man is two and zero against her, so I don't know. Maybe give a uh, Valentina a few more fights, let her get two more wins, and then run it back again for the trilogy.
0: Where do you think this leaves the number one spot on the women's pound-for-pound in MMA? Good debate here because Cyborg's been right around that number one forever. Joanna Young-Jacek has been on such a hot run lately that I've elevated her to number one over the past year. Amanda Nunez now, if you look at her last four fights, let's run it down, right? Sub, uh, submission win over Misha Tate to win the title. 48-second knockout of Ronda Rousey. Two dis- decision wins over Shevchenko. That's a heck of a resume. Who's your number one pound-for-pound for, pound for the female game right now?
1: Cyborg. Um, uh, Joanna's a beast. I see it at the gym. She's very talented. She might be 1B. But Cyborg, I've, I've trained alongside of her. <sighs> I've watched her spar. I watched her spar with um, um, Carissa Shields. On YouTube, which is like, next time they spar, I'm gonna take Cyborg. Like, hey, let me know when you're gonna spar, because I'm, because I'm cool with Carissa and Cyborg. I would love to go watch that work. Um, you know, she wants to fight. Um, she wants to fight Cecilia Brockhouse. She, she's, she fought kickboxing versus um Joanna Gerina Bars, who's like the number one women's female kickboxer right now. She's proven herself in all facets of the game. MMA, I don't see anyone really touching it right now. That with the 140 pound, 145 pound weight class even if she went to one thirty five you know i don 't see many you know amanda could do something because amanda's talented enough and she's, and she's, she and she she 's big enough and strong enough that 's the only one I can see given her issues but right now it's cyborg number one a one b is joanna and then number two is um is my home girl amanda
0: give amanda credit there for 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 the tier she has been on very good breakdown of why cyborg or Joanna 1A and 1B, depending on which direction you want to go. What we also learned from two fifteen King Mo, is Rafael Dos Anjos had a really, really solid win. Back at she's second fight at welterweight, submission one over Neil Magny, who is always a tough out. Holy crap, RDA looks like he's back. He had that tough run to end his lightweight reign where he got knocked out by Eddie Alvarez, lost a really hard fight against Tony Ferguson where he got dominated, had weight issues. Now suddenly we're like, Is he the next guy to face Tyron Woodley? He looked that good in this fight. Is sometimes just moving up in weight all you need to to, to
1: rebirth yourself? Here's the funny thing. Only in America is cutting weight big. You go to Russia, and when I used to wrestle, the Russians would just, and the Japanese, a lot of the people from the other other countries, they wouldn't cut weight at all. And everyone wants to be bigger. Bigger can be better, but not always better because you can fade more. You know, a lot of times you cut the weight and you rehydrate, you're still not there. Sluggish, you can get knocked out. But when you're at your walk around weight and you lose a few pounds, you'll feel you'll feel good, you'll feel normal. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like that's the new trend right now. You seen um you seen uh, Masvidal do it. Masvidal look good. You see Dos Santos do it. You're gonna see more and more people. Luke Luke hinted to going 205. You know um I heard Weidman hint, was hinting to go to 205. You're gonna see that more and more because cutting weight leads to injuries, leads to you missing fights, getting sick. Does it shorten your career? Yeah, it's towards your career. And then when, when, here's, the, here's the funny thing. Cutting all that weight, when, you're, when it's all said and done and you're living a normal life, you're going to have health problems. I've seen that all the time in wrestling. Like everyone that used to cut weight in wrestling, cut to make 133 or 141, they're now 215, 220 and obese.
0: So that's interesting. Yoana Young-Jacek has some comments about that. That's why she wanted the UFC to add that women's flyweight division. She wanted to be able to move up to 125. She says, look, I want to have a family. I want to have kids cutting weight. Every four months not healthy not healthy at all
1: not at all not healthy at all and and, and it, it could damn it could damage it could damage your hormones it could damage a lot of things and uh i feel like um 125 will be a great weight class for her. i think she'll be even even more de- devastating at 125 than at 115.
0: Very interesting. Look forward to see. I'd love to see Joanna against Shevchenko one day. We know that Shevchenko had victories over her in kickboxing back in the day in Poland. I'd love to see that title fight at 125 in the future. The other thing we learned from 215, in a battle of men who have been defeated by Demetrius Johnson in title fights recently, it was Henry Cejudo rebounding from a pair of tough defeats, right? Johnson, Benavides, both both big-time fights with a TKO, two over Wilson Hayes. In a destructive TKO2 with a big right hand that flattened him. Are we watching the evolution of the Olympic gold medalist in wrestling Cejudo to a boxer now? Because this is two fights in a row where his striking has been on point.
1: Well, people, little people, little people know, after Cejudo won the Olympics, he trained as an amateur boxer. I think he took a few amateur fights. Um, he, he used to train with a guy named Alex Santiago who just fought Payano uh, the week of the, um, the Conor McGregor-Floyd fight. And Santiago told me that he said, yeah, he said Cejudo has some skills. You know, he's still green. But this was years ago. He's like, he's still green based skills. But you see Cejudo is confident with his hands. And when you have a wrestler that's confident with his hands, wrestling plus hands equals a problem. Ooh, look at this. This There's a good
0: math equation from King Mo. Everybody remember that. Wrestling plus hands equals a problem. Yes. That's the formula for King Mo's career, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's that you got Daniel. You have stipe you have kane Velasquez. Granted, they kick too, but their hands is what does all the damage. You know, there are quite a few wrestlers. Once the wrestlers understand how to under uh, timing and range and defense with their hands, it's game over. That's Rashad Evans, right? Yep, Rashad's my boy. Sugar Rashad shout out. Well, here's the thing. We're gonna see Johnson
0: Borg again. No offense to Ray Borg, twenty-four, he was the guy in line coming off two victories to for Johnson to try to break this Anderson Silver record for title defenses. I would just—I feel like I know how that one's going to end. I'd much rather see Johnson go for the record against either Benavides or Cejudo, even though he beat both of those guys. And in Benavides' case, he's beaten him twice. Because I almost want to see a—you know—some fireworks. I want to see a tough fight for Johnson to try to break that record. Am I completely just overlooking Ray Borg? I don't think I see enough in him where he's going to push Demetrius in this fight.
1: He said the same thing about um, Matt Serra when he fought GSP. True. And and let's be real—the best the Mighty Mouse's closest fight at 125 was Uncle Creepy. Yes, Ian McCall, my man. If he can get healthy, if he can get healthy and say, you know, and keep his head on right and stay, stay motivated and focused, we could see some a, 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 a great trilogy. I just want to see McCall is very talented, can wrestle, good gas tank, got good jiu-jitsu, got good hands. Right now he's dealing with some issues, you know, but if he can get healthy and, and stay focused and stay out of trouble. This man versus Johnson will put on a great, a great war for the third fight.
0: King Mo, the UFC has now made UFC 217, November 4th, MSG in New York City, their premier card for this calendar year. Of course, after a long battle to get MMA legalized in the state of New York, they came last November at MSG for UFC 205. Conor McGregor stopping Eddie Alvarez. Very huge event, loaded card. This one. Not as loaded top to bottom, but top heavy to the extreme. Three title fights on it with the addition of Yoana Young Check against Rose Nama for that women's straw weight title.
1: I love this matchup, Kingwell. Are you fired up for this? You know what? I, I, I like it. I think the, um, um, I, I think Rose, she has, she's very orthodox. She's aggressive, good ground game, good stand up, but I think Yowana's is just going to be too much for her. It, on the feet or just everywhere, just to, all across the board. Just all across. Man, I watch her train. I'm about to go back to the gym today and watch her train. I actually, you know, I talk to her here and there. I, I give her, I, you know, I don't give her much advice. She knows what she's doing, but like for wrestling, I'm like, hey, sh- switch this up. But she's solid everywhere, and I she's watch, on such a
0: tear right now. It's just, it's disgusting how much she's dominating people.
1: And, and another thing is like my thing with the UFC is like they the the premier fight like would not the premier fight um wasn't that. Daniel versus John Jones. Like it, it, one thing is like they should have different like like you know like you know in Bellator we have a ten we had ten pole events, and we have just normal cards. They should do the same thing because now it's getting to the point where every card oh it's the biggest card of the year the biggest fight of the biggest fight in middleweight history until somebody pulls out right until until they lose the fight on the scales. So they should just go ahead and just keep it real like all right this is a super card and then this is a normal card this is a fight night card this is a um. Fight pass card. So they just keep it like that. Like label super card. Yes. Um f- fight night card. Yes. Fight pass card. Check. They just have it like that. Keep it like that because then people know what to expect. Not the biggest fight of the year on fight pass or the biggest fight on you know fight. No. Keep it keep it one hundred. If you're gonna do a pay-per-view fight, be like super card. Do do, do it like that. Fight night, keep it like that, and then fight pass. Just just keep it, just keep it. Just you know, label them different.
0: One thing King Mo does is keep it 100. I will say this: Rose Namajunas lost that inaugural flyweight or strawweight title bout in 2014 to Carla Esparza, was dominated on the ground. She's a different fighter now. She's evolved. That submission of Michelle Waterson in April destroyed her. That was a statement moment. You know, at a point coming off the loss to Carolina Kovalevich, where we didn't know which direction Rose was going. She's back. She's a tough out from the submission game at the very least. That's why I love this matchup. That if this goes to the ground, it'll be interesting. Joanna jo- has no has not given you any reason to doubt her, but Rose has ways of finishing bouts that not every person in this division does.
1: But don't forget, like Michelle Wash is a one hundred and five pounder that bumped up. True, she's a five pounder. I knew from Victor she's she her her weight, her best weight class is one hundred and five, and that's the only thing that's my only reservation because when Joanna, I mean when uh Rose fought, um Caroline, I can't say her last name. But no, Caroline. but none of us can. Yeah, you know the girl from the other girl from Poland. When she fought her, she was muscled, pushed around. She got controlled, you know, because she fought a bigger girl. Now she fought, then she fought Michelle Watson, which is a great win. But Michelle's just, it's her win over Michelle is not indicative to what she's gonna do versus Joanna, because Joanna's a whole different animal.
0: That that is as fair a point as you can possibly make. But UFC 217 as as a whole now looks like this: Bisping GSP is your main event. Heck of a co Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw finally doing business for the Bantamweight title. You now have Joanna Rose, and you have Steven Thompson, Jorge Masvidal. That's loaded, but here's my problem with combat sports, King Mo. That night, November 4th, New York City, guess what else is happening down the road in Brooklyn? Heavyweight Boxing Championship, Deontay Wilder, Luis Ortiz, where I would love to be! But, man, UFC 217, a bigger
1: event. Hate when they do this. Man, let me, let me tell you something. Lewis Ortiz is my homeboy, my is my homeboy. I'm gonna be watching them both. Um, as a matter of fact, this like, sometime this week I'm gonna go down there and uh, get some work with Lewis. Um, he's a good dude, man. I, I wish I wish he was. I wish I could just bring him on on the podcast. To speak <laughs> English. <laughs> like right, like I said right now, like boxing's doing a thing. MMA is the, uh, you know, have more UFC and Bellator needs to have more have more cards like they're doing the super cards. Have more super cards. You know, and even – like, the UFC should have some, have more supercars for free. That, you know, because yeah. now you know – boxing is getting away from the pay-per-view. get away from pay-per-view.
0: Yeah, look at top rank going to ESPN. That's a great direction.
1: Get away from pay-per-view. You know what I'm saying? PBC, Al Heyman with the premier boxing um, – premier boxing championship started that trend. So by, boxing on TV for free is great for me.
0: Speaking of Al Heyman, though, this is – okay, I love this fight. I love this Wilder Ortiz fight. I know that Heyman represents Ortiz. Very surprised that he's willing to put Wilder in there with Ortiz because Ortiz is like the wild card of this division. 38, yes, but can box with the Cuban background is a slugger. Wilder's still a little bit raw despite having all those title defenses against B minus C plus guys. I would try to build Wilder toward Joshua and just wait for that because that's the fight at the heavyweight division. You're going to risk that here because Luis Ortiz is a spoiler.
1: Well, guess what? Here's the thing, right? Um, either way... Louis Ortiz is a, is a mandatory for Deontay or Joshua. So either way, you know what? Your best bet is to have have Deontay fight Louis Ortiz in, in in America. Then let let um let um Joshua fight Pulev in in England. And then the winner of that fights either in England or fights in it fights in you know Brooklyn or fights in Vegas. Because that's a let me tell you something. That's a big fight. Joshua is way too with Klitschko was amazing. Now he's going to smash Pulev. Now let's see what he has. Let's see what we can do versus versus Deontay or Ortiz. That's the question. Who's the best from those three? Who's the best? No one knows. Right now it's Joshua, but the wild card is Deontay or Ortiz because Deontay has the power. And Luis Ortiz has the skills and the size. Right now as we speak, I saw Luis Ortiz a few weeks ago. He's 237. He's lean, fast, in shape. It's gonna be amazing. I can't wait for it. Now, Luis
0: Ortiz blew away a game Bryant Jennings a few years ago, and that was the fight where you're like, "Wow, he's for real." I will say though, I think it was two fights ago, when he took a decision from Malik Scott and Monte Carlo. Ortiz didn't look like the same destroyer. So hopefully, you know, he's still the same guy. You got yeah. it. Sometimes there's tough outs. Malik Scott, not you know, it sometimes runs and is a difficult style. But if all if if Ortiz is the same guy from that that Bryant Jennings fight, I think he comes out as the last man standing in this division bottom line ooh
1: i agree with you too there i can't it. argue on that
0: there it <laughs> is was... uh bellator mma star and former ufc champ benson henderson had an interesting take on mayweather mcgregor a week ago talking to espn he says people will start to view us like wwe meaning the sport of mma you start having freak shows like that mock contest and you build them as real that's not the way to go soon you'll see fights that are basically worked you agree at all with this take from from smooth henderson
1: well, here's the funny thing, right? I remember years ago when people asked me what do you think about MMA as a sport, and I was like, you know what? It's not a sport; it's entertainment. It's entertainment. Like, like um, it's it's already like the WWE. If you notice, know, like everybody's trying to talk trash because because Tito started it, and then Tito when Tito passed it to um um he passed it to my boy Chael. Chael's took it to a level. Then Connor has a whole country behind him, and he's a good mouthpiece. So now it's, it's Everyone talk. I saw. I saw Amanda Nunez talking trash to Valentina <laughs> at the press conference. What was that? Trash talk it, is the it, new currency. It, it brings those dollars, right? It does, but at the same time, it looks, makes you look stupid because you know not everybody's meant for trash talk. It seems sincere. Like you know, everyone thinks Mo, you're a trash talker. I'm like, I'm really not. I, I the trash talk I do is in retaliation. If you bash me, I'ma bash you back. That's the best way to do it. If I talk trash, it's respectful. I, I'm mixing in facts, you know, but. I feel like it's getting away from being a sport. At one point it was back back when back when King of the like back when King of the Cage ran ran things and the King of the Cage defeated program to the pride. Then you had the UFC come up. In the early in the early go in the early days. there's a competition, sporting competition. Then once T R Ts came in and started talking trash, the people realized, Hey, if I talk trash I'm gonna make more money, that's when the entertainment value went up and it's more entertainment now because now you see the interim belts. The interim belts are around mainly for Champ versus champ brings more money. You know, so it's all about it's all about money now. It's all about entertainment. It's not really a true sport no more.
0: But if you're a casual fan, you want to see two guys fighting who you somehow have believed really hate each other because it brings you back to the schoolyard. You want to see when two guys have a beef over a girl, it adds more juice to it. I think that's why trash talk is the real currency in fight game because you want to make people – have interest in a fight between two guys that they wouldn't have interest in before. But it does, if done wrong or done gratuitously, it does sort of water down the product. So it's an interesting debate.
1: But here's the thing. What would you rather see? Would you rather see two guys that hate each other fight? Or would you see number one versus number two? Because personally, me, I would rather see number one versus number two. I don't care about two guys that hate each other because I I could watch a feud. I can go to Kentucky, Tennessee, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama. I can go somewhere deep down south and find two guys that hate each other and, and pay them money to fight at a bar. <laughs> two, obviously, the two top guys at the weight class, the two top guys in the region or in the state or in the city or in the town fight each other because that's when you see who the best is in that region or that time of that area. Coming soon to King Mo Promotions is uh, bar fighting in, in Mississippi. I can't
0: wait, can't wait to be the uh, publicist for those shows for you. We want to wrap this week with some pro wrestling talk because, King Mo, The OG, Vince McMahon, I don't know if you saw this last week on SmackDown, was headbutted by Kevin Owens, took four bumps, took a frog splash off the top rope, was busted open. He either bladed before this segment and then covered it up so that Owens could bust his head open with a headbutt, or he bladed right as it happened because Vince McMahon raised his left hand. Either way, who cares? Holy crap, this was a big moment. Vince McMahon is seventy-two. He's still setting a tone in the PG era by getting all bloody. What the heck happened here? You see this?
1: Well, look at the ratings. The way rating, like, like look, it happened in it happened in the uh SmackDown for a reason. Raw's doing good. So you bring in Vince McMahon to raise those ratings in SmackDown. I, I watch, you know, I'm Russell Report on YouTube. I saw so I'm, I'm, you know, I've I've subscribed that channel, so I try I try to hear what's going on as far as the ratings. But you see, he came to SmackDown because SmackDown needs help. They need a they need a little boost. I, I, personally, I think SmackDown is has better wrestling, but Raw historically and also just like hype wise is is just is just better all around.
0: Yeah, they handle the big moments better. You see the bigger stars on Raw for the most part. Uh, tough news this week as just yesterday, Bobby the Brain Heenan, the great commentator and manager, passed away at seventy three. What's your memories, love of the legacy of what Bobby the Brain brought?
1: Man, he was one, he was the weasel, man. He was one <laughs> of the best, the best heels in the game, managers in the game. Like, you know, uh, you remember seeing him wearing the neck braces and just, I, I don't know, man. Just, it's just crazy, you know, how time flies. Cause I remember watching him when I was young thinking that's the man, but I couldn't stand him. I hated him. And now I'm looking back and him am like, man, he had so much knowledge. Man, I wish I could have talked to him and had a chance to meet him. But, you know, rest in peace. Rest uh, in peace.
0: You know, he changed the game. Uh, What he did on commentary as a heel. And then, you know, no one, no manager was better. At finally taking the beaten in the end, right? Like, you know, when Hogan would trap him in the cage and throw him yeah. around, like, Bobby Heenan could bump. Obviously he was a former wrestler. He could bump and, and take that like nobody else. So rest in peace to the great Bobby the Brain. And King Mo, I know you're fired up to close here that, uh, NXT continues to add Ring of Honor names, right? Red Dragon, Adam Cole, Bebe, Leo Rush, Donovan Dijak. Is, 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 we're making this a trend now. This is, this is, they're moving forward here.
1: And I, you know, at first, you know, cause I watched Being the Elite. And I seen like where's Hangman? So I was like, oh no, Hangman. <laughs> I was like, no, because i like, Hangman, but you know, I thought he was the next to go, you know, because you know, I. So a lot of talent, like you know, um, Dalton Castle, where's he been at? You know, because I'm hearing he's gonna go. Marty Scurll signed a short-term um, Ring of Honor contract. Will he re-up? You know, you have War Machine. There, there's a there's a lot of talent there at Ring of Honor. You know, saying that they, they can leave, but I'm hoping they stay.
0: I'm wondering if Triple H is uh. Just being like, okay, I can't sign Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks right now because they're doing their thing in Japan and Ring of Honor. What if I just bring in all their friends and, and, and strip them of, of the Bullet Club? Maybe they'll follow, you know, or whatever. It's, it's an interesting thought. But NXT needs this—the this shot in the arm. And I, and I love—I can't wait to see what these guys are going to do.
1: I mean, either I hope they do. I feel like they're going to do an Outsiders angle, which is like, you know, which is which is cool, you know, because yes, yeah, like Ring of Honor versus NXT. You know, but it's like they got caught Ring of Honor, but you know, you know what we're doing. They, they, they know what they're doing.
0: Invasion angles are always the best way to go, right? It's NWO. It's it's what we love about pro wrestling. But that'll wrap up another week that was in the in this corner MMA pod. Follow me on Twitter at B Campbell CBS. Follow this guy King Mo at King Mo F H. King Mo. We usually leave with two words for the people on the way out of here. I'm out. <laughs> there it is. We out. See you next week.